We'd like to thank Montecito Bank and Trust for their generous support in making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm Patty Teal, and I'm here today with both Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson and Laurel Sykes, Chief Risk Officer at Montecito Bank and Trust, and she's also Vice President of Montecito Bank and Trust. And they are truly a bank that cares about protecting the community from unscrupulous scam artists. Welcome to both of you. Thank you, Patty. Good to be here. I know you have something to warn us about today, so we'll start there. Okay, fantastic. So we wanted to talk a little bit today about your debit card as it's attached to your checking account at your bank and the dangers of giving that information out to strangers or, or folks that might be asking for you over the telephone or even in person. So this scam that we wanted to talk about, really there's two. One has to do with in-person visits where they're taking your debit card information and one has to do with a telephone call where they're purporting to be your bank and are trying to get you to give out information over the telephone. That's pretty good to know about. So how does the in-person one work? So in the in-person scam, you might have someone that's coming door to door. You know, we all are subjected to the magazine sales or the sales of candy for good causes. In the particular scenario I'm going to give, it's an express delivery of a gift. And you may first receive a phone call where the caller wants to make sure you're home to receive a delivery. And then a delivery man will show up with some sort of a gift, basket of flowers, bottle of wine, whatever the case may be. And of course, you're very intrigued as to why you're getting this gift. So you're asking as to who the sender is and the courier can claim that they don't really know they're just delivering the package, but you're going to be getting a greeting card or a follow-up separately so you know who it's from. And because the gift is containing alcohol or something that's a higher dollar value, there's a delivery verification charge that gives proof that it was actually delivered in person. And this is the story they're going to be telling you. In this case, maybe $3.50 for the verification. And in the story, they're able to prove that the person receiving the gift is of legal drinking age and not just left on the doorstep or can be stolen or taken. Just a word of advice here. If someone is going to be delivering alcohol to your home, they're going to require a signature in person and a check of your ID to test your age. They're not going to require you to pay $3.50. But in this case, let's say you offer to pay them cash and they're going to come back with, well, no, I need the payment by credit or debit card so that it can be properly accounted for. I'm not allowed to carry cash, whatever their story may be. Then you hand over your card. They'll swipe it on their mobile card machine and it'll typically have a small screen and a keypad. And then you're going to get asked to enter your PIN number. And as you Mm. can tell from the scenario, they now have your card number and your PIN number because you've gone ahead and entered it on their cell phone here. And they're gonna go away and and wish you good day and everything's in order, but now they've got your information. So what they can do with that debit card information and your PIN is they can actually go to ATM machines and withdraw money directly from your account at your bank. And this can be upwards of uh, $4,000 depending on your individual bank's limits uh, as far as uh, the, the transactions that can be made with your card. So this mobile credit card machine now gives you all the information to create that dummy card um, and your card details, including the PIN number. So in addition to warning you of accepting any surprise gifts and giving out your card, we also want to warn you that if something does happen and you do fall prey to such a scam, uh, make sure to contact your bank immediately. 
in this case, this is an unauthorized charge to your account. You only authorized the $3.50. So the remainder of that $4,000 is owed back to you, provided that you're reporting within the right time frames as prescribed by, uh, by law, which is 60 days after it's appearing on your statement. So you do have time to make yourself whole in this scenario. So, Laurel, when you say 60 days after it appears on your statement, so you can actually wait until you get your monthly bank statement in the mail, look at it, see that, oh, my gosh, $4,000 has been withdrawn. How did that happen? Contact the bank, and the bank will make you whole. Correct. The banks are required for unauthorized debit card charges to reimburse. They might withhold a $50 fee for their liability as the regulation allows. You're going to want to check your individual bank. But, yes, correct. If you've authorized less than the amount that actually clears your bank account, the bank is liable for that. Now, important to note here that you can wait until it appears on your statement. What we like to recommend to folks is that they constantly monitor their account because that's a whole lot of money to disappear from your bank account. If your mortgage payment or something else is going to come through, then you might end up in an overdraft situation and all kinds of terrible things. And if you use your cell phone, you do have access to online and mobile banking through your phone. So you can check balances regularly because it's really important you report it as soon as you find it so that you can be made whole. Under the law, banks have anywhere from 10 to 20 business days to give you provisional credit for that amount during the time period that they're investigating your claim. It depends on the type of transaction it is. So that's a really good reason to bank online so that you can constantly be checking your account to see if there's any unauthorized activity. Absolutely. And to that point, um, there's another scenario we wanted to talk to you about in terms of working with your bank, where fraudsters are now impersonating banks and calling customers purporting to be their bank and trying to get them to give over debit card information. That's the second scenario we wanted to talk about, and it might be happening through robocalls that are reaching your phone line, and the really scary thing is how easy it is these days for the fraudsters to be spoofing the the actual telephone number of your bank. Right. So picture they have access to a a debit card, maybe in the same scenario they've skimmed your, your card information. On the back of your card is a 1-800 number typically to call your bank to report, you know, unauthorized activity. So what they'll do is they will spoof or impersonate that phone number. And it's pretty easy to do these days because they have the number on your card or they can look it up online on your website and they spoof the number so that it looks like the call is coming directly from the bank. It's a numbers game for them. They really are running through as many phone numbers as they can. They're looking up the owners of phone numbers in certain area codes, maybe. They then start to Google names and addresses, and then they pick a set of people with enough information that they have about them to try and steal more of their information to get the most realistic scenario when they get somebody on the phone. So this reminds me of the fake sheriff phone call and the fake IRS phone call. They can spoof the number of your local sheriff's department and they can spoof the number of the IRS office so that when you look at the number that's calling you, when you check your caller ID, it looks like the phone call is coming from the sheriff's office or from the IRS. It's amazing what these crooks can do. Absolutely. And these are all just different variations of what we call impersonation scams. Really, they're just trying to get your money out of you. In in this case, they're trying to get your bank account information so that they can clear out your bank account. In these cases, if they have enough information about you, they've got your name, your address, they've done a Google search, and they maybe find some information about uh, kids or grandkids, 
they're then going to just go online and buy your social security number on the black market, which has become pretty easy because of all these various breaches that we've had over the last several years where your, your that's, social security number. Scary. Absolutely. But now you can see that they've got some information about you to try and really understand who you are. And once they have all that information, they've got your bank account number, your social security number, they've spoofed the, the phone number of your bank. They might not even have the right bank at this point. They might just be guessing based on the community that you live in, right? So here we are in Santa Barbara County. There are very few community banks left, so they might pretend to be Montecito Bank and Trust and call you. If they do have the right bank, then instantly that increases your trust. They've spoofed your phone number, so it looks like it's coming from the bank. And they've got the last four digits of your social security number, which they bought online. And again, they're calling saying, hey, this is the fraud department. We're trying to help protect you to save your money. So they're looking for all these different ways to increase your trust. Wow, I can see how people fall for that. I have a question about that first scenario where they come with the candy and the gift and they take a minimal amount on your card. Once they have that number, are you saying they actually print out an actual card with your number and they actually have a tangible card that they go to the ATM and use? That is a really good question and it could be twofold. If they have enough information on your card to go do purchases online, they might not ever need to go to the trouble of printing a fake card. But in cases such as these, the easy thing to do since they've got your pen is to go start withdrawing cash from ATMs over a period of days. In that case, they would need your physical card. And this becomes harder at ATMs that have the EMV chip requirement in there. If you're withdrawing, for example, from your bank and your bank knows that you have an EMV chip, but this card doesn't, then there's going to be some red flags thrown up. But if they're at somebody else's bank that doesn't know if you have chip enabled or not, then that could be a problem. The other thing that might happen is they might produce a, a fake card and go to someplace like a gas store or a grocery store where they aren't all requiring the EMV chip technology yet, right? right. Um, or Let's say they have the EMV technology on their debit card machine and they're buying gift cards with your card or whatever they're doing. If they stick the card into the machine and pull it out more than three times before the processing has a chance to complete, then it'll let you go ahead and slide your card using the magnetic strip, which contains all the information they needed, even if there is no EMV chip. So the, the crooks have all kinds of little tricks they use. Um, on your card. The really important thing to know on all of this is uh, these are unauthorized transactions. If it's not something you've actually bought, then you are able to get the money back. Going back to the scenario where they've called you pretending to be the fraud department, um, the next step they're going to do, you, you know the code on the back of your card mm-hmm. called the CVV yes. code? Yes. So that's the one thing that crooks are still missing when they've skimmed or taken a, a picture of your of your debit card. They don't have that little three-digit code on the back. And the reason they need that is because when you're shopping online or buying things online, that's the one last piece of the puzzle you need in order to get a transaction to go through. So you right. give them the information thinking you're protecting your money and now you've given them that foot in the door. At that point, they might ask you to enter in a new PIN. Mm-hmm. which they really don't care about. But again, they're trying to increase your trust to make you think they're fixing the problem. And you've already given them more info that they don't really care about, but they can probably use later because people tend to reuse their pen. Then they're going to ask you to verify your current pen. And now, even if they didn't have your pen identification number previously, they do now. So they can create that debit card with the magnetic card encoder. I understand you can get one on eBay for around $75. 
they've got the account number they got from all that information that they gathered earlier and the pin and they can just take the money out of your bank account. Oh my gosh. So Laurel, is there a difference between using a debit card and a credit card? Is one safer than the other? I wouldn't say that one is safer than the other because both have laws in place. One is governed the, the debit card because it's attached to your deposit account. It's governed by what's called Regulation E, and it requires that crediting of your account if you're checking your statement within 60 days of the transaction. Same thing happens on the credit card side, except it's governed by something called Regulation Z. And Regulation Z has the same sort of claim processing. The difference is that there's not a provisional credit requirement on the credit card where they have to grant you the money back while they investigate because you're not really supposed to have to pay that charge back until 30 days in the grace period and all of that. But to your point, the thing that would make me most nervous is having my uh, debit card information compromised because that clears my bank account. And then I might start overdrawing and, and things are happening on that regard. When you're shopping online or any place that's untrusted, it's always better to think about using a credit card just because, again, it's not attached to your bank account. You can dispute the claims. But again, it might take a, a period of time for them to resolve that issue. And, you know, some of the larger banks, don't have fantastic customer service when it comes to these types of disputes. This is true. Yeah, it's always best to look to your community bank, to have a banker that you know and trust and that you can go to when these kinds of things happen. Absolutely. So I've also heard that when you go to the gas pump and you're going to use a credit card to pay for your gas, that it is better and safer to use a credit card as opposed to a debit card. Do you know anything about that? The one reason why it might be safer is because when you're using your debit card, you're keying in your personal identification number. Right. If it's being skimmed, they've now got your PIN. But using a debit card, you can also use it as a credit card. The difference is the gas station's likely going to ask for your zip code where your bills are sent rather than your PIN. And that's a pretty okay. easy thing for people to figure out in a town like ours where there's not that many zip codes altogether. But again, I think the easiest thing to do is to go inside and pay or to just be really aware of your surroundings and be aware of the machine checking your account statements. It's really hard to not get breached in this day and age, but it's still much more safe to use electronic means like debit and credit cards than cash because once cash is stolen, it's gone. At least with debit and credit cards, you have the ability to get your money back under these consumer protection regulations. Right. Laura, would you share the bank's website and how they would get to the page that you have that warns people about so many different scams? Absolutely. So you can visit us at montecito.bank forward slash security. And we've got a whole multitude of materials online for small businesses, for individuals such as yourself, and anyone who wants to find out more information about recent scams. We also maintain a Facebook page called MBNT Fraud Fighters. You can follow us there, and we post uh, newest scams every Tuesday and Friday. I'm so glad we can work together on this. It takes a team, for sure. It does, and that's a great resource. Thank you so much, Laurel. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye.